You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. This is Station F, the podcast, and I'm your host, Roxanne Varza. In today's episode, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Notion founder Ivan Zhao. If we ask Station F companies on campus what company they want to grow up to be like, a lot of them are probably going to say Notion. They have an incredible backstory, and we get a chance to go behind the scenes with the founder. Hi, Ivan. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. Well, I think we're going to get a chance to talk about a lot of different elements from Notion's story, um, but I wanted to start by asking you this one question. I think what you guys have built is incredible. At the same time, I'm wondering, did we really need this tool? How did you guys decide that was a need that needed to be addressed? I think the way for us to address that question, uh, there are two folds. One is, does the market need that tool, need Notion? Um, to give you one, one angle, it's Okta, the logging company, once a year, they publish a report of uh, the state of software. And there's one stats that's increasing every year. The stats is the average number of tools the company needs to run their business today. And numbers are around 70 and 80. And the numbers keep increasing every year, right? So one half of the notion, why Notion exists, is to solve the fragmentation of tools especially in our workplace. We don't need to use this many tools. If we have one tool that does the job of many, that's better. That means less silos, people are all on the same page, um, fewer tabs open. That's the business need for Notion. And the other half of this is what we want. As a company, Notion was initially created less about solving a particular productivity problems or the fragmentation problem. It's actually come from the early days of computing. In the 70s, computing pioneers really thought about oh, software could be this medium that everybody can modify and can create their own tools. Um, that, that never happened, right? If people can create their own tool, there's, there's, there doesn't need to be so many fragmentation of tools. They can just make their own. So for us, internally, we really want to realize that vision that computing pioneers in the 70s started. So the second half of the question is, yes, we want to make Notion so powerful that everyone can make their own software. And so those are two half of this answer. Why Notion should exist and need to exist. Well, you kind of blew my mind with uh, average company uses 80 tools. So now I kind of, I don't think we probably have a lot of listeners that don't know Notion, but just in case we have anyone who doesn't actually know what you guys do, how do you describe what you're building? I think in a very simple way, you can think Notion address four use cases, uh, notes, documents, that's number one. Number two is wiki. Number three is project management. And number four is databases. So Notion combines those four use cases into one product. And it's so flexible that people can modify those use cases themselves. Um, so some people use Notion to replace Evernote. Plenty of companies entirely runs on Notion to replace Google Doc or Confluence or Ajira or Trello. So it's a very flexible productivity tool made for teams, but it can also be used for personal users. And I have to tell you, like something that just blows my mind is 
the fan base that you guys have generated because people don't just use Notion. They love it. And I feel like you guys have kind of cracked something. How do you build something that people just love and go crazy about? Yeah, we actually don't know how that happened. It's <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's kind of amazing to see how, how large the community is. And it's like on Reddit, on Twitter. The one design principle we have for Notion is what we call a Lego for software, right? We don't make one of the, those four tools I, I mentioned previously, but we build a building block so end users can create whatever tools they want. Just like the kids can use Lego to make whatever toys they want. And just like when kids, once they build their Lego set, they want to show off to the world, right? They want to share with their friends. The same Notion story exists in the Notion community too. Once someone set up their Notion workspace and they want to show off to the world on Reddit, on Twitter, and that keep growing the community, brings more people into Notion. One funny story that happened earlier this year was TikTok discovered Notion. And all of a sudden, all those teenagers start building their Notion workspace for their personal note-taking or collaborative document for school notes. You know, it's really amazing to see that we didn't initially build for that teenager demographic, but people find use in Notion because how flexible the product is. Oh, that's fascinating, Sue. Now that they're joining Notion super young. Um, So now I kind of want to take a step back and go a little bit more into the backstory of the company. Um, So if I'm not mistaken, you guys launched in 2016 and you hit the 1 million mark when? You mean 1 million users? Uh, Yeah, exactly. I actually have forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) When did we have 1 million? So yeah, I think really what what I wanted to understand was at what point did you really start to see growth? Because it probably didn't happen in those initial phases. No, it's Notion actually much longer. As a company exists for seven-ish years. Yeah, now we have more than 10 million users. Um, But really, the growth really hit us after we launched 2.0. That's about 2018. Um, 2.0 is introducing the database features and project management features. There are two major use cases. And we launched on Wall Street Journal with the the press that we really see people's behavior changing the product and there's stronger word of mouth. And I would say that's the largest tipping point in the company's life so far. Super. And I wasn't aware that Notion was actually had it had existed for so long. And I think something that we've started to hear a lot within the ecosystem is that there's kind of become a Notion strategy to building a company. Uh, People talk about having a lean team, about not raising funding initially. It's almost like an un-Silicon Valley way of building a business. Um, What do you think about that? Well, I think there's rumors of saying Notion, we are anti-VC. That's definitely not the case. Without the initial investors, we wouldn't have to build a company. And uh, in the, especially the first two, three years, we didn't have a product. It's very much the support from those investors and friends that um, bridge us through all those years. So we're not anti-VC, but I would say we're more thoughtful about the size of the team, especially in the early days. Building software, at least to us, building something rather complex and Notion, it's not necessarily more people, the better. It's almost writing a book or do a painting. You don't need too many artists in the early days while you're figuring out what you're actually trying to build, uh, especially in a vast conceptual space like a productivity tool that can do everything. Um, So because you don't need a lot of people, the burn rate is low. Therefore, you don't need to raise a lot of money and easier for you to push you on the profitability side of things. 
But once you become profitable, then it becomes a really good, healthy feedback loop. Um, you become more attractive to an investor also, and you're by default alive rather than default dead. Um, yeah, that's to, to us, that's rather accidental, lucky stumble upon the profitability, small team side of things. But for us this year, um, we really need to scale and to keep up the growth. And that means more people in the company, more headcount, more specialized roles. And we're in this phase right now. So rather different from the early phase of keeping the team small. Super. And yeah, I think I'll, I'll come to your, your recent funding, which is super impressive in just a second. But I wanted to just say I had seen this hilarious tweet from Josh Koppelman from first round who said essentially every day he had a VC asking for an intro to you guys. And every day he would have to go and tell them they're not focusing on funding right now. How, how much of an exaggeration is that? Maybe every week for a while. <laughs> All right. Um, so there was a yeah. lot of investor interest. Yeah. Uh, yes, we're flattered. Um. <laughs> Super. Well, so now coming to the recent funding, because as you mentioned, you guys have raised funding. I didn't mean to paint you guys as as anti VC, but I think probably different to a lot of um, a lot of the trends that we see. You guys didn't raise massive amounts from the you know very very beginning, um, but you did raise a fifty million round last year. Helped you guys hit two billion valuation um, in the middle of COVID. So I would love to know what was that whole procedure like? What's the backstory there? Right. We wasn't thinking about raising for the money. And uh, in fact, we still haven't touched that uh, the funding yet. Uh, it's very much uh, insurance policy. It's as, as the world gets into COVID, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty and both for our employee internally and for as a signaling for our customers and future candidates. So that's a really good signal for telling everyone that Notion is here to stay. It doesn't matter what the macro climate is. That's that's our mo motive to raise that money uh, last year this time. Super. And how, how did how did that round come about if you guys weren't actually looking to raise? Is it just natural interest from investors that kind of led you guys that in that direction? Uh, we have prior relationship with uh, uh, Index and Sarah Cannon, who led the round. Uh, we know her really well. She knows us very, very well. Index been helping us recruiting, um, doing operation, a lot of different things. So it become rather natural and uh, you know, it doesn't take too much time because we know each other so well already. And uh, we're just closed with a few Zoom calls. But at that time, COVID happened already, so you can't even meet in person. And uh, yeah, this come from the prior relationship that we built in the past many years. Great. And so you said that that was kind of more of an insurance policy. Um, now you guys have all this funding. You have incredible growth. I'd love to know kind of what's happened since the funding round and where are you guys headed to next? We actually expand the team in Europe and Japan uh, towards the second half of last year. Now we have an office in Dublin and an office in Tokyo. Uh, the underlying reason is majority of Notion users and customers are international. So in order to support those customers, uh, we want to set up regional offices and, and go to market teams for them. And that's one. Another big one coming up, it's the API launch. Um, we're going to happen somewhere in April. Then that, that will be a very watershed moment for the company. Like so far, everything lives in Notion, even though Notion is all in one workspace. Um, everything lives in Notion, but people cannot t easily take information out or put information in. So with a programmatic API, um, companies can do that. So that's another one. 
Um, and later this year, we're going to launch more uh, languages and version of the product in different regions of the world, French being another upcoming language we're going to launch. Um, yeah, there's plenty of other things. And also invest in the fundamental of the company. For us, that means performance and reliability. Because we're undergoing so much growth from user side of things, uh, reliability has been hurt lately. And uh, that's been the number one focus for the company at the moment. That's terrific. Wow, that sounds like you guys have really been quite busy since the fundraising. Uh, new geographies, the API, French language coming soon as well. But I don't think that stopped anybody in France from, from using you guys already. Um, now I'm, I'm kind of curious, you touched upon this in the beginning. You had mentioned that uh, you had seen, you know, kind of a younger generation TikTok users turning to Notion. You'd mentioned some of the kind of key uh, use cases, but I'm interested to know from you personally, what have been some of the uses and use cases that you have just found incredible and you would never have imagined when you started this company? Yeah, a lot of companies and or personal users uh, use Notion for publishing. I almost replace their blog or replace their company's uh, job site. And you know, even like startups use Notion for pitch decks for investors. All those use cases were just intentional to build. Um, but you, once you build a good document editor and make it you know, accessible anywhere on the internet, I guess that's a very natural use case. But that's surprising for us. So you've actually had people publish books and things like that or try like publish different documents using notion and you would never have expected that right publish books even you know it's like entire curriculum for teaching coding teaching how to cook something and teaching the play dungeon and dragons <laughs> for example and oh yeah fan fiction community they, they publish things on notion those are funny actually it's like oh we didn't build we build a productivity tool for work and but people use for very interesting personal use cases that's heartwarming also very, very interesting. And and then maybe on more of like a business side in, in, in terms of companies, I imagine majority of people are probably using it, as you said in, in the beginning, as a wiki. But is there some internal use for companies that you find really compelling? I would say the most compelling one is not just used for wiki, but used as an all-in-one thing that combines wiki documents and lightweight project management in one place and include, also including lightweight database use cases. That's where Notion really shines. Uh, so for example, uh, last couple batch of YC, more than half the YC companies entirely runs on Notion. And that really ties back into the, our, the first question you were talking about, reduce fragmentation and allow each team, each company to customize their own tool. And Notion becomes de facto their, the operating system for that company outside email and Slack and Zoom nowadays. So if we go back to the 80 tools that an average company uses, have you actually seen people get rid of tools and completely move to Notion and be able to say that made me cut down 20%, 50% of the tools that I was using? Oh, yeah. Um, we actually have some case study from this on our website. Like, for example, this, this um, design agency called MetaLab in Vancouver, they are famous for designing Slack in the early days. I believe they cut on 12 tools because of Notion. Like they can remove things like Trello, uh, remove things like Confluence and internal document tools, Google Sites, and some lightweight uh, application tracking system and move everything onto Notion because of those three, four major use cases I described earlier. We want to make Notion better so we can support more use cases, especially around database and project management with the upcoming API launch. 
Super. Well, now I want to kind of get a more high level feedback from you because I think you probably have a great visibility on you know, the whole productivity space and all these different kind of B2B solutions that people are using to run their businesses. What, aside from Notion, obviously, which companies, which products, which tools, what spaces are you getting excited about? Well, we want to touch on a lot of different spaces. So most spaces <laughs> can be Notion space eventually. <laughs> um, the other two I used a lot internally is Figma for design. I think in some ways, uh, the strategy are very similar. It's um, before Figma, you have to use three or four different uh, separate software to, to manage your design workflow from designing the thing in Sketch, share in Zeppelin, uh, you know, storing somewhere like abstract or, uh, or your Google Drive. Now everything lives in Figma. So it's a similar bundling strategy for approaching the market. And someone, this famous saying that there's only two ways to make make a business, bundling and unbundling. I would say Notion and Figma are squarely in the bundling camp. And um, yeah, it's an interesting strategy. It's, there's a lot of surface area we need to tackle, but the impact is also huge if we can pull this off. So we just want to finish on a note that's probably the most relevant for our community. Uh, as you know, at Station F, we have a lot of early stage founders. Do you have any advice for early stage companies that would love to become the next Notion one day? Well, advice for me, it's rather con contextual. So it depends on your market, your business. You probably need different advice and depends on your personality. I would say if one thing is we didn't die in the first several years pretty close to uh, at least once, sometimes twice, but through all those times, uh, just don't give up. No, it's like, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's still not easy. Even Notion is pretty more, much larger and have some product market fit, but fundamentally it just don't give up. And if you, that's something you feel joy and happiness to show up every day to it and just keep going at it. No, that's the only, I say, re regardless context, that's probably the most relevant advice that I can give to people that start trying to build their startup. Wonderful. Well, Ivan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Uh, thank you for building Notion and we wish you guys tons of success. Thank you for inviting us. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, make sure to give us many, many stars. And if you have any feedback or if you want to suggest a topic or a speaker, uh, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter or by email at press at stationf.co. And finally, make sure to follow us and not miss out on our next podcast episodes. We're available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Google Podcasts. All right. See you soon.